Welcome in one, welcome in all. Oh, my goodness, what a day. The Green Bay Packers whooped up on the Minnesota Vikings in every phase of that game yesterday with one faux pas, and that was the uh, the blocked punt. And then the defense came to the rescue after the uh, Vikings recover on the Packers' one-yard line. The Vikings, after three straight plays, lost yardage. Lost yardage. And had to settle for a field goal. That was a huge turn of events in favor of the Green Bay Packers, even after such a depressing moment in which special teams failed in that sense. And then right after that, uh, they got it back after the Vikings go up 3 to nothing. Then it was Keyshawn Nixon off to the races for 105 yards, plunging it into the end zone. And the Packers really never looked back after that. They were just uh, on the uh, on the run. Uh, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. Let's bring in Eric Branchek now, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, joining us uh, on the hotline. Eric, um, I want to start with the defense because uh, all the talk was about Jair coming into this game and about covering Justin Jefferson. And I thought, and as much as I ripped Joe Barry, I give him a lot of credit for the way that they they came about and uh, not only put Jair on Justin Jefferson for the majority of the game, but also rolled protection and coverage in that direction as well and really had a solid game plan. Which is, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, Happy New Year, by the way. You too, pal. Um, I, I just, you know what? I, I, I totally agree with you. And and here's the deal is for me was this guy has played, this is the way we play coverage. We don't move our guys around. We're going to play in zone. And um, that's it, everything they did was like against what they say they do or what their beliefs are by keeping Jair on um and playing so much man press coverage uh, was was interesting. I mean, it was really interesting to see how they went out and did it, and it, it happened right away in the first series that they were they were not they were they were coming out and we we're going to play man and we we're going to beat you up. And that was, I think, the way that when you watch the game or watch the games coming into it, that this was the way that they had to play, and it's the first time they did it all year and. You know, shocked a few people. I think for sure, certain on the sidelines of Minnesota, but uh, you know, fans and people watching were like, "What? Well, this is different." And maybe, maybe it kind of shine light on what you know, what this you know. And, and I guess we all think about it this way: is they got one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and they just waste them playing zone all the time. I don't think that's his forte. His forte is to is to get in the guy's face, and uh, he's got speed. Where if he does get beat by a step or two. By the time the ball gets there, he's going to get back into it, and he can jump. Not Sam Shields jump or Williams jump, but he can do enough that he's, you know, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and they just feel like he's one of those those weapons that they just kept in the trunk the entire season, and now they got to wake up. And if they're going to try and make this run and get and win a playoff game, that's how they're going to have to play. They're going to have to look at each team and play it the way that they see fit. And, um, you know, every team that they play going forward is going to have, you know, you don't get in the playoffs if you got a bad offense. And I, uh, I, I, the Lions next week, and that's they're not easy. They got, they, right. they got good receivers. I like the fact that Jair, on, on numerous occasions yesterday, actually hit Justin Jefferson at the line of scrimmage. Uh, which is not something you often see. And most of people are trying to, uh, you know, kind of backpedal right away is to not allow him to get past you. And instead, Jair actually hit him. 
and try to disrupt the route a little bit as well. Now, you know, some will say, well, he had safeties rolling in his direction, so you're okay with that because you can be aggressive knowing you got safety help. But nine times out of ten, you got safety help anyway in some way, shape, or form. But I like the fact that he played aggressive. And I know the whole, you know, fluke thing got blown out of proportion, but I like the fact that he just went after him yesterday and said, look, if I'm going to do this, we're going to walk the walk, and that's what they did. Right, for sure. And, I, and, and let's, let's be 100% honest. The, the playing surface also helped the Packers a little bit too. And that's the yes. thing that nobody, there are very few people talking about it, that that was going to be an issue. And, and you know, you got an indoor team, you got another indoor team coming here next week, and that's going to help the Packers too. Um, that you got, you know, and, 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 and you're right. That's the one thing that, that you know, for me, was why you got these receivers that are killing you. Why are you not beating them up on the line of scrimmage? Make them get off the ball. That's the one thing that, you know, that made Adams what he was. He wasn't a, uh, you know, a 4-2 guy or 4-3 guy. He got open because he was so good off the ball. And teams kept trying to do it to him. And he kept making them look silly. And you know what? They weren't expecting it, and that's what they did. And they played tight everywhere was very tight and that was it was very very good to see them switch up things so all the people that probably are were hoping that joe barry is going to be coaching somewhere else next year after last night he's probably back right i thought that well that's that's another whole (laughs) question for another day but uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Mike Clemens had come out of the locker room and talked about some of the guys and, and the style of which they played uh, defense. And some of the guys were saying, no, we just, they got together uh, a few weeks back and they got together as a defense and guys were texting each other. They're asking questions. They're talking as a group rather than individuals, uh, you know, playing for whether it's defensive backs or, or linebackers or outside linebackers or whatever. They're talking as an entire d- defensive unit, and they're asking questions together. And I even noted yesterday Rudy Ford and Rasul Douglas, they looked like they got into a mix-up. and Like they started looking at each other. And in, in runs Adrian Amos to basically say, no, 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 you got this guy. This is what happened. You know, and it was all of a sudden like all the guys are nodding. You, you don't see that. You know, you normally see guys like pointing and then walking away. And instead it was like, okay, we're all on the same page now. We get it. It seems like something since that fourth quarter of that Bears game has clicked. I would agree with you. And, and they are playing. I guess the part that I like the best part about it is they're just playing so much more aggressive when the ball gets thrown um, instead of all standing around waiting for them to catch it and tackle it. And that's kind of the premise with, with uh, uh, pass coverage and you're playing zone is just, you know, they're going to catch some, but just make sure you tackle them. And um, that didn't, hasn't been working. And I think primarily because they haven't gotten good pressure. And one of the things you saw now, the Vikings had a uh, uh, third string corner or center in the game uh, after the first series, I believe, and you know everyone, you know the, the, everybody talks about how the secondary and Jerry Alexander and all that stuff. But you look at a lot of those throws; that pocket was non-existent. I mean, they didn't bring Cousins down a lot, but they made sure that he had to move off a spot, or, he, or his throws weren't just um, you know standing back there and, and taking his time. He had to, he took some shots after the ball was delivered and threw some balls you know, off balance a little bit. And that's all the things that that's how you get interceptions. That's how you get big plays in the secondary is when the quarterback is not just standing back there, just when his back foot hits his drop that he lets the ball go. He's got to, you know, look around. And there were some times that he probably could have got Jefferson, but the rush was on him and he had to move around and 
throw the ball a little bit wonky, and that's that's how that's how it goes. And and so you know, hats off. As much as I think people want to look at the secondary, the the, the front four really did mm-hmm. a nice job of making sure that that, that Cousins didn't just have a chance to sit back there and crack a beer. Now, the special teams, obviously, good and bad, getting the punt block bad. Uh, obviously, Keyshawn Nixon, in his return, I was watching him yesterday. As everybody, It was really interesting because not only was the medical staff out there, the trainers were out there, and so was the general manager, watching Christian Watson and Keyshawn Nixon go through their paces uh, early on yesterday. And, uh, and Keyshawn Nixon, I thought, looked really, really good, so I thought there's no way he's not going to play. I was a little more concerned about Watson because he just didn't look like he had the same zip. But Keyshawn Nixon, the big 105-yard return. The one Achilles heel uh, to me still is, even though they're running the football, at times they try to outthink themselves, or Matt LaFleur does with his play calling, and it bothers the hell out of me. They had a drive in which early on in that game, Aaron Jones is left. He's right. He's, he's chunking yards, 30 yards worth of racking up in that, in that series, and then he pulls them. Uh, you know, first and 10, first and goal from about the nine. And next thing you know, it's A.J. Dillon, A.J. Dillon, pass, pass, wide out, you know, and then it goes for naught. Uh, but the offense still is not fully operational right now. What needs to happen in your opinion? Great question. I think it's it's a great question. First of all, let's talk about Watson. Watson, like I was chatting with people all last week, if he's 75, 80%, he's on the field because it changes things. And you saw that happen when they, they would put him in motion uh, along the side, you know, going in um, <clears throat> at the, right close to the snap of the ball, they put him in motion. So the defense is thinking, oh, here comes that stinking jet sweep. And you saw the linebackers move with him, and then they run it the other way, or they run play action pass the other way. And he was a decoy, and he loosens up the secondary just because of him going out there, and that helps. And the safety's got to go to his side, and they got to take an angle to cut him off rather than first step forward and looking to run. So that is a big that was a big thing, and he didn't have a big game. I don't think I, at least I didn't expect it. He had the one bad drop. Uh, but the other ones were, um, you know, they were just off, and that's probably because he wasn't 100% and able to get underneath the ball like he normally could and all that stuff. But here's my issue, with, too, you know, the personnel grouping is the personnel grouping, but really, you're going to run 28 wide on a, th- mm-hmm. on a third down play or a four is a fourth right. down, and you run him wide? That's I'm not so sure that's the right decision there. Or it's third and one, fourth and one, and you run three guys and there's no one at the sticks. You know, I mean, I get it. You got a four, I mean, I get it. You got a four-time MVP used to throwing those balls and they want to get the kill shot and the big hero play. But, you know, I think in, on occasion, third and short, just pick up the sticks. Just just, just get past the sticks. Not a, it doesn't always have to be a big, giant play. And I, I think they got them a little bit. And, and, you know, as they go further against the Lions, for sure, who can score points, um, they got to, I think they got to throttle that back a little bit and just pick up first downs. Uh, the, the, Aaron Rodgers uh, even said after the game, he said, look, I haven't played my best football. What is what is off with Rodgers right now? There are times where he just looks good, and, and he does Aaron Rodgers stuff, man. He can drop it in the bucket with a flick of a wrist, and it's amazing. Then there's times that it, it, you look at him like, what the hell was that? A couple of passes yesterday I thought were thrown at the ankles, thrown you know short. What What is it with Aaron Rodgers right now do you see film-wise that would tell you this is what has to be fixed for him to go back to being Aaron Rodgers? Or is it a matter of just getting even more familiar with the guys that he's working with? Well, that's 
That's a great question. Here's the, the difference between the two quarterbacks yesterday. Cousins stood in the pocket and took it on many cases. And, and through, you know, I, there's just something about the guy. You just really, for me anyway, maybe I'm the only one, but it's just hard to like him. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. hard to like him as a quarterback, as a leader of your football team. And um, with Rodgers, he's certainly, you know, not this. I think people don't love him like they used to and all that stuff, but I, but in all that, whatever. But the reality is, 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 you know, he's 39 years old. Things hurt a little bit more and, you know, he doesn't stand in there that much. And, and sometimes I think he's just got to stand in there and take the shot to get the, the, the ball off rather than get that sack. And um, you saw it last week and, and where he, you know, could have got a turn and got sacked. Uh, you know, when you play in, playoff football and it, there's no tomorrow I mean, you're gonna have to get sacked you're gonna have to take the hit stand in there and throw that ball deliver that ball where it needs to be knowing you're gonna get clubbed and you know i think that's that's kind of the difference right now he just looks to be playing a little bit cautious um and you know if you can get by and win with it go for it but as the season draws to an end and it you know after if they can get by the lions there's no tomorrow, and there really isn't. There's no tomorrow even after next weekend. So he's, they're going to have to really, really uh, focus on their play calling and making sure that, hey, third and one, fourth and one, we're going to go for it and be aggressive. That's great. But, you know, maybe we should have an outlet receiver and not having three guys 15 yards downfield. Right. That's another mind-numbing thing. It's third and short, fourth and short, and it's an all-go. I, 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 it's unbelievable. I don't understand that play call. Is that and, and everybody wants to know, is that Rodgers or is that Matt LaFleur? Matt, Rodgers has said numerous times throughout the season, I'm not calling the plays. I get an either-or. And he said, I like the play call, but I'm not calling the plays. Matt LaFleur has said time and again, I'm the one calling the plays. So if that's true, then Matt LaFleur's got to look in the mirror and go, what the hell are you doing? Right. Because it's not gonna, you're not going to always have a pick six and a uh, 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 kickoff return in the first quarter. I mean, you... They're going to have to do some things, and you see it all. It's 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 not a one-off. I mean, this is something that's been going on all season long. At third, short, and they're going, they're running verticals. And I understand, I get it. But my guess is, if you would do the numbers and put the pen to paper and crunch the numbers, that a five-yard out is a higher com- percentage completion than a than a uh, a nine going up to 25 yards up the field. That's just me. And, I, and I'm a runner guy anyway, but, you know, I'd, I'd prefer them to put the ball on the ground than, than to uh, to throw it up, and especially in that situation. I just wish that, you know, that when you're looking at this and you see the play calling, it just is like, I understand if you were on run two verts on third and one or fourth and one because safeties are probably going to be climbing that ladder and getting close to the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I understand it, but where's the tight end? How come your tight end's not at yeah. 10 yards? or five yards or sneak a running back out just to try to pick up, you know, move the sticks. I mean, in, in bigger games, now that they all have a lot of meeting, it just seems like that's a smart way to do it than just relying on, you know, a nine going up the sideline. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Real quick, uh, next week, obviously, it's Detroit, and Detroit is a vastly better offense, in my opinion, because they're so much more balanced. They use both tight ends. Amra St. Brown has become a stud. Jared Goff doesn't turn the ball over. Give me your thoughts. They're playing outside. That's going to be a big factor. And um, 
they're going to have to be really strong, but but uh, on defense, which I think they'll be okay. But I I, I think the the most important thing is is they're going to have to they're going to have to keep that scoreboard lit up and keep pressure on Goff because I think Goff will make the mistake, uh, especially playing outside, slick ball, slick surface. They're going to have they're going to have a little bit of trouble uh, on offense for sure. So you got to keep the pressure on them and make sure that they're they're dropping five steps and they're throwing the ball up and, and get to them. Um, but it all is going to be it's going to be one of those games where your offense is your best defense and they got the and they've proven that they can go out there on slick surface and run. I mean, I mean Jones and and um, um, Dylan are both they're kind of like mutters, you know, crappy weather. It doesn't matter. They still go out there and play, and they're effective. They don't slide around. They're not slipping. Um, I, I, and you know, and if it does get to a bad situation, you got Jones and just pound it up the middle. Um, so I, I think this game more than ever, the offense is going to have to be the, the one driving the force. So you can't rely on special teams and defense to win this ball game. Good stuff, bud. Appreciate it. Happy new year. And, uh, next week we're going to hopefully be talking about a win and a postseason berth and we'll go from there. Okay. Oh man. That'd be something. Huh? Wow. Right, I know. It'd be uh, never thought it. Yeah, I I am the one that proclaimed them dead weeks ago. So I'll gladly eat my words on this one. Appreciate it, bud. Talk to you soon. Yep. Take care. There you go, Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press Gazette, joining us for a few minutes. I know we went long, but it's good stuff. And uh, like I said, that's one of the things today that you know. I after that Lions game, I pretty much said this team's dead. Dagger done. Uh, watch the rest of the season kind of unfold, but it's it's all going to be about at what point do you play Jordan Love? What are they going to be drafting? And give this Packers team all the credit in the world. Myself and many others, they're making eat their words, and I'll gladly, gladly, gladly do so. 877-867-1670. Don't forget, coming up on Wednesday night this week, we're going to be live down at the Mecca Sports Bar and Grill in the Deer District, downtown Milwaukee, across from the Pfizer Forum. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle, and it's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They are the official your sponsor the bill michael sports talk network more of the bill michael show coming up next this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network hockey action at its best the milwaukee admirals Got back into the win column, by the way, so good for them. After they uh, they got knocked off by uh, the Chicago Wolves when we were down there at the UW Panther Arena last week. But back into the win column, playing good hockey, uh, heading to the postseason, hopefully, and then in a quest for a Calder Cup. But you got to get down there for all the action. They they even have, like, uh, post-game concerts that are coming up. The Admirals have uh, Stone Temple Pilots are coming to town. Not a bad concert after the game. So you go to the game, you catch some hockey action, maybe a good brawl. Couple of beverages, and then after that, you got Stone Temple Pilots. They have all kinds of different promotional things going on. Go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That's MilwaukeeAdmirals.com for all the information. And uh, thanks to them as well. Great, great, great group of people down there that uh, that run and work for and own the Admirals. Can't support them enough. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. All right, let's get to it. Got an email here. Uh, this one's from our buddy Steve. Uh, point Differential. The new point differential for the uh, 12 and 4 Vikings is now negative 19. The Packers are 8 and 8, and they are plus 3. Just an FYI. Good stuff from our buddy Steve. Also on a victory Monday. What a way to start the week. Packers set the tone early, kept the foot on the gas the entire game after the block punt. 
The ball at the one-yard line. A three-down stop to hold the Vikings to a field goal. That also set the tone for the rest of the game. And then Keyshawn Nixon with a 105-yard return. Look out! Couldn't be stopped. I was thinking back to a listener of yours last week that predicted that Paul Allen was going to call the dagger on the Packers season yesterday. Uh, I'd like to hear from him today. Here's the thing about Paul. Paul is a very passionate Vikings fan. And I know because we're Packers fans, you love to hate it. But I I sat there yesterday and talked to Paul. You talk about a guy that loves Lambeau Field, loves the surroundings, loves the passion of the rivalry, just loves everything about it, like genuinely does. And I, I think Paul gets a bad rap. I really do. And it's not because he's a buddy of mine. It's it just, it's like people that hate Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And then you get a chance when you're in, in the press room and you see Joe Buck and you get to talk to him for five minutes out in the hallway. And he's like, I just, I, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. This is to, to come here and to be a part of Lambeau Field and, and to see this. And I mean, you know, it, it's, there, there's people that you, you kind of by the play call and maybe their opinion that rubs you the wrong way. But you got to love the passion. It's like, you know, Vikings fan, hate, you know, can't stand Packers fan for the most part. We've had success and arrogance and almost spoiled, you know, <laughs> a winning. You know, we've become accustomed to it where they've had to struggle. They don't have trophies in the trophy case and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I get it. But I, the whole thing on Paul, man, I love Paul's call because you can tell the passion. Because you can relish in a Vikings loss, you can you can be disdained at a, a Vikings win, and you can hear that in his voice and inflection, and I love that. Uh, he says the defense was awesome. The only questions are why did it take Joe Barry 16 weeks to figure this out, and why did he go back to his zone early in the second half? I uh, did not like the soft zone when they ended up getting the score, and again, you have that ability. Now, I get it because you're taking time off the clock. Let them, let them kill you with death by a 1,000 cuts, but in doing so, they're also taking time off the clock. Didn't like it at that point, though, early on in the second half. I agree with you. Didn't like it. St- I always wonder why you don't stick with what gets you there. You're kicking their ass. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to go, oh, wait a minute. Now let's kick their ass. And all of a sudden, you know, the team starts playing better and, and you know, you're getting beat up. That's not it. I, 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 it's always just, I don't know, been mind boggling to me. Um, he also says, how does Justin Jefferson not get flagged for hitting the referee with his helmet? I know it was inadvertent, but still contact with the official, still a penalty. Jair was in his head the entire game uh, and it took him out early. Uh, bring on the lions and any idea what time the kickoff is going to be on Sunday. That's our buddy, Steven Richfield. Uh, first of all, no, we don't have an answer to that yet. And I think, I think they're supposed to make that announcement today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it also, like I said, it it's going to depend on all the different scenarios for seeding and such and who's playing what, and they want to play meaningful football and all the games that are going to matter in some way, shape, or form. They want to play at the same time. So, And not that there's a ton because everybody pretty much, except for the Lions, the Packers, and the Seahawks have been eliminated in the NFC. Uh, it's just a matter of seeding at this point now. The AFC has a few more spaces, but that's about the extent of it. How about Ron Rivera? I, I We didn't even talk about this, but we knew that Washington needed to lose. Now, I thought Washington would win this week and then maybe lose next week, okay? Um, but how about Ron Rivera 
not realizing that if they lost and the Packers won, they were eliminated. And he, on purpose, on purpose, started Carson Wentz. And the only people surprised by what happened with Carson Wentz on Sunday was probably the commanders and Ron Rivera. Uh, The decision to trade for Wentz, not the worst move, but Wentz threw three interceptions, never gave Washington a chance to win. Never gave him a chance to win in that ballgame against the Browns. And it, which it, it's a critical game to their playoffs. In the meantime, you've got a guy like, say, Pittsburgh. How about Pittsburgh? Kenny Pickett sets the NFL rookie uh, record with a win over the Ravens and doesn't flinch, throws that touchdown pass to put him up and ultimately beat the Ravens. How about that? And, and all of a sudden, you're you, for a team that we all thought, much like you know, many of you thought was dead in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I never kind of 100% doubted Mike Tomlin, but you thought, boy, this team just looks bad. But the defense is playing well. The offense is starting to click a little bit. And while they're not a team that you definitely fear, it's a team that can maybe stir up some trouble. And Mike Tomlin's got his team back. I, I just, this season has been an amazing, an amazing season. An amazing season. But this is Ron Rivera after the game being told, yeah, Ron, you guys are pretty much done. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, oh, then you guys are eliminated. Yeah. We can be eliminated? What? Now, some say that's Riverboat Ron being Riverboat Ron. He's acting, playing dumb, whatever you want to have it. Uh, I got to think that as a head coach in the National Football League, you know what all the scenarios are. I got to think that you know. I got to think that you understand. You lose that game in the Packers when you're done. I mean, that's something that everybody around has been talking about. You know, uh, you don't sit as a head coach with your head buried under a under the desk, never to you know peer out again once the season starts. You have to know all the scenarios. And if he didn't, then shame on their PR staff for not alerting him. Oh, by the way, here's all the scenarios for you to get into and out of the postseason. But Carson Wentz, he made the decision to go with Carson Wentz. So all all the chips have now fallen. The Packers get the win, and we know what the scenario is now. Win, and you're in. It's that simple. Looking for, I, I don't think Sunday can get here fast enough for many of us, right? I just, just, just saying. This portion of the program brought to you by Lux Golf Bays. Happy New Year from everybody at Lux Golf Bays in Franklin, and they are letting you know, yeah, baby, yeah, they're heated, especially like right now. I mean, it's not bad weather. Head down, keep your swing in style. Go work on a few things. Swing different clubs. Oh, it's a nice day down at Lux Golf Base. Go down and get some food while you're down there. A couple of beverages even while you're down there. You've got the TVs on. You can watch sports while you're down there. But it's just a nice afternoon swinging outside in that 250-yard range that uh, measures everything. Ball speed, flight, distance, all that kind of stuff. You can work on your game at Lux Golf Bays, the premier facility in the state of Wisconsin. Again, Lux Golf Bays in Franklin, Wisconsin. Go to LuxGolfBays.com. That's LuxGolfBays.com. More of the Bill Michael Show. Phone lines wide open, 877-867-1670. More of the Bill Michael Show next. 
covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Celebrate the new year. Maybe you're uh, going to do the Rose Bowl tonight. Got the national championship game coming up. Maybe you're going to do some tailgating at home or going to Lambeau Field this coming weekend. Make sure you stop into our friends at Robert's Specialty Meats on Sunset Drive in Waukesha. Whether it's the Al Capone roast, the ribs on a stick, they're ready to go. The sausages, handmade, great stuff down at Robert's Specialty Meats in downtown, down, uh, down in Waukesha. Just Paul's such a great guy. It's a great. He's your hometown, just good old fashioned butcher shop, and uh, they're great people down there. Go to Robert's Specialty Meats Waukesha dot com. That is Robert's Specialty Meats Waukesha dot com. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Don't forget coming up later on the program today, we got our buddy Mike Clements is going to be joining us in the last hour of the show. We're going to talk with Mike about uh, the locker room and such. Yesterday. Uh, he and I up at uh, Lambeau Field. Also, we got stock up and stock down coming up here in about 45 minutes from now. So we have that also. Uh, want your phone calls? 877-867-1670. Uh, this one is from Matt. And I wasn't going to get into this this early, but it, you know, since, Matt, you bring it up, uh, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about it. But he said, uh, you know, out of all the games that the Packers had against teams that were 500 or better down the stretch, uh, I believe the Minnesota Vikings were not the best team coming into Lambeau Field. I think the best team coming into Lambeau Field is going to be this weekend. The Detroit Lions, regardless of their record against the Green Bay Packers or anyone else for that matter, are playing really good football, and that's a team that scares me thoughts. That, I talked about that. When you look at overall performance, first of all, Jared Goff not turning the ball over. He's just not giving it away. Okay, that's first and foremost. Secondly, um, the Detroit Lions offensively have been scoring points all season long. There's nothing new here. You know, it's not like all of a sudden people are waking up to the fact that this this offense can move the football. They've been one of the better scoring offenses in football all season long. So for, for this team to have some kind of fear, I guess, no, uh, they're not coming in fearing the Green Bay Packers. What Eric Baranchek said was true. And that is the fact that, yeah, you're playing outdoors. It's going to be, I don't know what the weather forecast is just yet for uh, Lambeau Field. I know this week is going to be a little bit warmer. We're going to get some rain and such. But when you talk about the offense of the Detroit Lions and what they've been able to muster, uh, they're fourth in the NFL in yards per game. Fourth. They're averaging 383.6 yards per game. Fourth. They're fifth in points per game, 27.1 points per game. This is, you know, <laughs> this is not a team that, uh, and they're balanced. They're pretty balanced. They're, I think, like 11th, 12th in rushing, rushing yards per game. And when you look at passing yards per game, I think they're 8th or ninth. Uh, I mean, they're pretty balanced. They, they get it done in a lot of different ways. And But offensively speaking, they're a solid football team. Uh, DJ Chark, Onward St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, uh, Amron St. Brown has just really become a reliable, sure-handed, 
good receiver in the National Football League. Um, like I said, Jared Goff doesn't turn the football over. Uh, tight end-wise, uh, you know, Brock Wright, James Mitchell, who they drafted in the fifth round this year, they spread the ball around. Their offensive line has gotten better. They're susceptible. They are susceptible when it comes to their defense. Uh, but offensively speaking, I mean, they're they're a good football team. They're a real good football team. Uh, the Detroit Lions, when it comes to yards per game defensively given up, they're dead last. They give up a lot of yards. They give up just under 400 yards a game. They're dead last. So, I mean, this could be the epitome of the shootout when it comes to points per game. They're giving up. So they're scoring 27.8 points per game, but they're giving up 25.7 points per game, which is fourth worst in the National Football League. So on one hand, you look at it and you go, whoa, you know, (laughs) this is an offense that I feel couldn't even be better than what the Packers just faced. But this defense is uh, now remember the Vikings are 31st when it comes to points per game given up. They're 25.9 points per game. They're second, the only team worse than the the Vikings are the Bears, believe it or not. Uh, The Bears are the worst, then the Vikings, Cardinals, and then the Lions when it comes to points per game. So the Packers can score against them. It's just whether or not the Packers offense is going to be in full throat or not by the time they uh, come up on Sunday. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Uh, over on the Bud Light live stream, got to get to many of you who have been, uh, you know, hitting all day. And I apologize for sometimes just an FYI. The sound doesn't come right back on because if there's music playing, uh, there are rights restrictions and such, so it doesn't come on right away on the live stream, so we apologize, but that's the understanding as to why. Uh, Ryan says, uh, the key, just like yesterday, is the pressure in the front four, as we rarely scheme up a blitz. If we do, it's basic and obvious. Uh, No, Ryan, no, that's not true. They've been doing a lot of different blitzing ever since Rashawn Gary went down. So to say rarely, no, not rarely. I mean, they don't do it like 10, 15 times a game, but they'll do five or six now where they didn't do much before hardly at all. And you'll see them. Yesterday, it was, it was rather creative. There was a time that they brought uh, Devondre Campbell up, and you thought, okay, they're going to rush five. Dropped Devondre Campbell and brought Quay Walker from the outside. So uh, they, they schemed a few different things. You know, it was, it, it was interesting. Um, like I said, I give Joe Barry some credit. They, and you're right. There's times that you don't get elaborate. You just bring it through a different player. Uh, but if you're putting pressure and collapsing a pocket, and here's another thing that nobody talked about. Um, Devontae Wyatt and T.J. Slayton. T.J. Slayton had a hell of a game yesterday. He grinds on people. He's getting more playing time, obviously, with Dean Lowry going down. So it's T.J. Slayton, Devontae Wyatt. And, and, and you know, already know that, you know, um, you know Kenny Clark is, is a beast in the middle anyway, but he gets a double team most of the time. But I'll tell you this, man, the Packers yesterday up front, <laughs> man, Quay Walker uh, played 41 snaps yesterday. Kenny Clark played 36. Angabari, 34 from the outside. Jerron Reed played 33 snaps. Uh, but then you start to look, T.J. Slayton, 24 snaps and made the most of them yesterday. Devontae Wyatt, 34 snaps and made the most of them yesterday. Those big bodies, man. Devontae Wyatt, I, you watch that cat? I like watching that guy. Solid performer, man, for being a young – and he's obviously been learning throughout the season. 
But if if he's not getting penetration, he's not getting blown downfield. Very rarely do you see him on skates. Very rarely. I like what he brings. And he's only going to get better. So I very quietly, without Dean Lowry, the front four has played better. Right? 877-867-1670. Um, uh, Samira says they blitzed six times yesterday. There you go. Uh, we said it all year. Lowry is a weak link. That's from Watcher. I, 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 I've been saying for a long time, as much as everybody likes Dean Lowry and the experience, and there are times that he just gets a good matchup and he can beat somebody, he's a guy. He, he just is. I, I, he, there's not a lot of dynamicness there. But he's he's good, but he's not great by any stretch of the imagination. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Hey, our friends at Burn Pit Barbecue wanted me to, uh, wanted me to tell you thank you. They had a tremendous year this year. Uh, they said Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, they also said thanks to, to, to so many people, not just here in Wisconsin, but all around that listen to the program for ordering from them, for the barbecue lovers in their lives, especially for the snowbirds that uh, live, say, in Florida or out in Arizona that heard, that listened to the program, heard us talk about it, and ordered and are, you know, doing the grilling and such in different parts of the country. They said thank you so much. They had a tra- tremendous year. They are veteran-owned. They, are, they started a couple of years ago right here in our own backyard in Racine, Wisconsin. Go to burnpitbbq.com. you got big games coming up this weekend. you got championship games coming up this weekend. you got the playoffs getting ready to get underway in the NFL. So many things. If you're going to be doing some grilling, a little bit of tailgating, go to burnpitbbq.com. That is burnpitbbq.com. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers beat the Vikings 41-17 in front of over 78,000 fans at Lambeau Field. The Packers' defense took control of the game early in the matchup. They held Vikings running back Dalvin Cook to just 27 yards. Kenny Clark came up with a key quarterback sack. Packers linebacker Preston Smith on what made the difference. Man, we knew what we had to do. We knew we couldn't let them in, and we had to do whatever it takes to not let them in. And, uh, and those guys played well. You know, those guys stuffed up the middle, and they didn't, they didn't let that no runs get up the middle in the secondary the Packers intercepted Kirk Cousins three times Darnell Savage with a pick six that went 75 yards I asked for Sewell Douglas how prepared the secondary was for the Vikings offense he was extremely prepared, over, overly prepared we've been talking all week we've been in the group chat going over every route we've been showing each other routes how we're going to play how we're going to do it and we've been talking about it we've been going through walkthroughs on our own figuring out okay this is what we're going to do this is how you see it, this is how I see it we know how to play it and On special teams, Keyshawn Nixon returned a kickoff 105 yards for a touchdown. Matt LaFleur. You know, Keyshawn, obviously, before that, taking that kickoff to the house, but then Savage's pick six. I don't think I've ever been involved in a game where we scored in every phase. The Vikings lost several offensive linemen to injuries, including their starting right tackle and backup center, head coach Kevin O'Connell. Austin Schlotman um, did uh, indeed suffer a uh, fibula fracture. 
And then Brian O'Neill uh, sustained a calf muscle injury. Um, we ruled him out, and he'll have an MRI. And David Bakhtiari was excited to be back just one month after having that appendectomy. The Packers' left tackle says he's confident they can beat the Lions next week to secure a spot in the playoffs. Adversity happens to that. That's either how you grow or how you fail. But you need to face adversity. Um, I think this team is really starting to see in all three phases that it's showing growth. That's Packers' left tackle David Bakhtiari. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Some big news happened over the weekend. Kind of a soft opening, but our friends at Stoley's Hog Alley, Jeff and Alicia, they, they got it back open. The renovation is done, and it was a successful uh, day yesterday as they opened up. They're looking for help, too, by the way, now that they've been uh, you know closed for about you know three, four months. Bring them back a few more people. They've expanded, so obviously they need more staff, and they need more kitchen help, and need more staff over there. So if you're looking for uh, something part-time, they're more than happy to talk to you. But Stoley's Hog Alley out in Summit, Oconomowoc, they are back open. They are bigger and better than ever. Say hi to Jeff and congratulate him on the renovation. It's beautiful, beautiful place. I, I want to get out there, as a matter of fact, and, and walk through it again. But beautiful place. They just opened it up, and I cannot wait for summer to get here to get out on the deck and enjoy some time out there as well. But great place. Stoley's Hog Alley and Stoles All 109, which is up in Watertown. You can stop in and see them up there as well. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, uh, do it. Uh, this was from Anthony. Anthony says, uh, unit, love the show, love the Packers win. A little bit concerned about Detroit coming to town. This defense, can they do it two weeks in a row? We haven't seen it consistently out of, consistently out of them all season long. A game like yesterday is almost too perfect. The only flaw was the blocked punt, which I agree, uh, but – the defense, I mean, everything has just gotten steadily better. I'm not getting crazy because I know some people yesterday are like, this team's unstoppable. They're the dangerous team in the postseason. No, there's still some really good teams in the postseason. But I don't think if I'm anybody right now, uh, you know, I mean, you look at a team like San Francisco, um, they're playing with Brock Purdy, and they're not quite sure when. Ben, have we heard anything on Debo Samuel when he's going to come back? Do you know? Have you heard anything on that? I don't remember, but I I think the thought was playoffs. Yeah, I kind of get the sense that he won't be back this week, but they he could be back the following week for the postseason and wildcard weekend. But uh, I don't know for sure. Yeah, he's at practice this week. Is he? Okay. Because you would probably like to see him come back this week just to get a week under your belt, you know, so to speak, before you get into the postseason. But we'll see. Oh, he was there um, last week as well. Sorry. So, yeah, he's, okay. he's back, but not on the field yeah. yet. Yeah, because that was a high ankle sprain, and they thought it would be at least four weeks before he came back. They said that was pretty significant. So we'll see. Um, so you got – I don't think San Francisco with that defense really fears a lot of people. Uh, Tampa Bay, what an amazing game by Tom Brady. They climb to 8-8. Eight and eight. They win their division. They're locked in. Uh, obviously, the Vikings, uh, the Vikings, just, first of all, uh, as good as they are in comeback games, the, Kirk Cousins is not good under pressure. Kirk Cousins is not good out of a noontime slot. <laughs> He's just not. Uh, big games, uh, even though Kirk Cousins has brought that team back. Uh, so you can't say that he can't handle pressure because he can. But... There's certain things about that team that we know are flawed. Dallas, I 
don't, you know, the Packers have beaten Dallas. I think Dallas is beatable. Dak can be Dak and throw picks, and next thing you know, you're, you know, the Giants are certainly beatable. I, th- I think the NFC, if the Packers get in, the NFC is still pretty much wide open. I think the team with the most dominant defense is San Francisco. And Philadelphia, uh, I think they're a damn good football team. They're just getting killed with injuries right now. Stay tuned. Two more hours yet to go. More of the Bill Michaels Show coming up next. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.